scripture is from Acts 20, verses 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, as we gathered together for a meal, Paul was holding a discussion with them. Since he was leaving the next day, he continued talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we had gathered. A young man named Eutychus was sitting in the window. He was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell from the third floor and died. Paul went down, fell on him, and embraced him, then said, Don't be alarmed, he's alive. Then Paul went back upstairs and ate. He talked for a long time, right up until daybreak, then he left. They took the young man away alive, and they were greatly comforted. So don't go to sleep today. <laughs> I can still hear it when I think about it. My mom and her multiple attempts to wake me up for school. I hate it getting up early. I would stay up night reading in my, we had bunk beds, and I kept a flashlight hidden up inside the box springs and I would read all night and then I wouldn't want to get up to go to school. During middle school, it was not uncommon for my mom to make two trips to the school in the morning because she wouldn't let me make my sister late. I never worried about walking in late. I liked the mornings to be slow and I like doing what I call piddling or zoning which means staring off into space and basically doing nothing. Now, I often missed attendance and sometimes five or 10 minutes of the first class. Mom would threaten me, she would shake me, and finally she would scream, wake up! That's when I knew she meant business. For the past few weeks, we've been in a sermon series to help us think about being the church. Now, I don't see many of you sleeping during our service, but at some time or another, all of us find ourselves going through the motions of life, sleepwalking, working and cooking and worrying and living. We zone out, we fall asleep, we hear so much bad news, we just turn it off and snooze our day away. Some of us sleep doing TikToks. It can eat up a lot of time, so don't ask my husband how, how I know that. He complains about me doing it all the time. We can do it on Facebook. But sometimes I just need somebody to scream in my ear and say, wake up, pay attention, to startle me out of my own spiritual complacency. Do you all ever need an alarm clock in your own spiritual life? We love our church. We love each other. And we have the goal here to be a radical, inclusive church, don't we? Yes. We work hard at being the church. And if we wake up, wake up and get out of the way of the spirit, there is no telling what's going to happen in this place. But we must wake up. The invisible church outside these doors need our voice, 
our footprint, our hands, our heart, and most of all, God love. There is too much going on outside these doors for us, the church, to ever be asleep. The past few years have been tough on all of us, hasn't it? The pandemic wore us out. The election split, communities in half. Gun violence continues to be on the rise, and while I love that we're wearing orange, I'd love it more if those who can pass laws would do something instead of taking money from the NRA. Women and LGBT rights have been taken and diminished, and there is no group of people who have been more impacted by needless legislative bills than our trans and non-binary community. It is time to wake up, to wake up to the human race as a person and most of all, as a community of faith, especially as a community of faith who proclaims no matter who you are, you are welcome right here. It's time to open our eyes wide to prevent us from falling asleep. In order to offer God's love, in a radical and inclusive way. We, the church, must be intentional about educating ourselves and learning about the issues that impact those we love. We have to. Nobody else is going to do it. In 2023, legislation sessions offered 491 pieces of harmful legislation that was tracked by the ACLU against our trans community. They were hit on all sides, every aspect of their lives. Some of them limited the ability for IDs to have the gender identity updated, which puts our trans community at risk in their jobs, when they travel, and when they enter public places that require IDs. Many of the bills attempting to weaken di discrimination laws by allowing places of employment and hospitals and business just to deny equal treatment and even allow the refusal of treatment and services. Bills targeting trans youth to prevent them from affirming care right here in our own state. And I bet there were more bills limiting access to gender-affirming bathrooms than there were bills addressing gun violence. We have more states with policies trying to limit trans youth participation in sports activities or policies forcing teachers to misgender or policies forcing teachers to out our LGBT students. Teachers are denied teaching anything related to LGBT topics. There's a lot of people in history who've made a lot of good work, who've paved the way for us to sit in this church. I want all kids to know about that. They're banning books. Everywhere you look, they're banning books, aren't they, Enid? And really, most adults are more concerned about a drag show than they are about keeping our kids safe in our schools. We need to wake up. We need to wake up. True confessions. 
I don't know everything I need to know about inclusivity. And I have to check myself often and push myself to learn and undo my own unconscious bias. Recently I learned that Madison had decided to use the, they, them pronouns for 25 years, 27 years, however old she is, I've said she and her. And if I'm honest with you, since she's told me that, I have not gotten it right yet. But I want to get it right. Because it is, an, it is an issue of radical love, and it's an issue of justice. When I told Madison that I was going to preach on this topic, they said to me, Maybe you need to work on it more yourself before you preach on it. <laughs> and I said, truth. And then I thought that's even more reason for me to preach on it. As Pride Month begins, I felt called to preach on the affirmation of gender identity. I want us to identify the places where unconsciously our words and our actions hurt people. Mad went on to say this to me. I think you've talked about how hard it is to change. And perhaps you overlook how much harder it is for people to continue to be made to feel invisible. Ouch. Madison then said, it's not about misgendering. It is that I and we need to shift our understanding of gender in ways that are so much more than language. My daughter's pretty smart. They said it is about shifting our thinking and our perceptions. They went on to say, we judge people, we judge how people present based on qualities or traits that we perceive in our understanding as being male or female. Is that true? Church, I need to wake up. Does anybody else here feel like they need to wake up today? Many of us get caught up in the way people present and we make judgments about each other's identities based upon what our brain tells us to process. Madison went on to say to me, our brains function like TSA machines where people walk through and people are identified as male or female. Perhaps if we all approached everyone with a curiosity of wanting to know them, rather than allowing the bias in our brains to rule, we'd be better off. It's about trusting that people can determine who they are on their own and us being excited about learning who they are. Ouch. Even in this inclusive church, we have a lot of room to grow on this issue. Maybe we start simple. Maybe we start framing every person we meet as a child of God instead of people in a gendered box. Let's get rid of that gendered box. We don't need it in this church. If we do that, we can make our church a whole lot more inclusive. We have always said that when we know better, we do better. 
I want to do better, and I want us to do better. Maybe it's as simple as saying, hi, I'm Pam. My pronouns are she and her. We're glad to have you here. It makes the room safe, whether anybody else wants to do their pronouns or not. It creates safety. Madison and the two people whose stories I'm about to tell you have given me permission today. I don't want you to think I'm outing anybody. I called and asked. Recently, I had a conversation with someone who's a member in this church. And I asked, how could BUCC be more inclusive related to the trans community? I didn't have an answer, but wanted to think about it. I'm going to e read you what they emailed me. And I'm going to preface it with some of it's going to be hard for all of us to hear. But if we don't hear it, we can't wake up and grow. So I appreciate the thought this person put into this and how even in the midst of what can sometimes be difficult, they keep coming back. They keep hanging with us. Listen to what they wrote. For BUCC to truly affirm all people and be a safe place, loving place for everyone, we first have to see everyone for who they are and what they experience. I have witnessed people being misgendered, and I've heard people say like pronouns don't matter, or he, they, whatever, on more than one occasion. These things make me feel that you don't see me or the experience of many other trans and non-binary people. I want you to see the emotional toll that comes from being called the wrong name or pronoun, both unintentionally and intentionally every day. The weariness of constant time and energy to attempt to validate each part of our existence. See the pain, embarrassment, and fear when our families use the wrong pronouns and dead names us in public leading to, at best, a stranger's confusion and, more often, smiles turning to scowls and looks of disgust or even violence. See my stress and invalidation that six years after legally changing my name and four years after legally changing my gender, I am still not able to get a real ID because my birth date does not allow me to change my birth certificate and taking in a birth certificate with a different name, despite all the other legal documents, including court-ordered name changes, apparently isn't enough to prove I am who I say I am. Imagine that. See us being labeled as sexual predators, and state laws enacted that make it illegal for us to seek gender-affirming care. See that our existence and fight has been made to seem like it's about words and bathroom trying to shriek us, shrink us and our lives into things that seem small and don't matter. See that getting my pronoun and my name right does not fix these much larger, larger issues in our society, but that it does matter because it is one less time 
I have to be invalidated in a world that is doing it all the time. Church, we gotta wake up. See that taking it a step further by introducing yourself with your pronouns and asking people their pronouns instead of assuming people's gender shows us that you just might be a safe person that will respect who I am and get to know me as an individual. Y'all are awful quiet. See that I need you to do a lot more than just get my name right or use pronouns or have gender neutral bathrooms. See that I need your support and advocacy in everyday aspects of life via political activism. See that doing these things for gender identity is also a step in addressing the many isms we all face in life. Hear this, I see the goodwill and the desire for justice and acceptance in this church. And I have also experienced things that made me feel unsafe or unwanted. I hope that what we all can do is see that there's always more work for all of us to do. And we got work to do. When we know better. The third story. One of my favorite events here at BUC happened when I met one of our first trans members. He came to church and I introduced myself. He told me his name. Now y'all know I stalk social media to try to find things about people. And it's a way for me to reach out and, and get to know people. So I looked him up. This page led me to a blog where the individual had written about the difficulty he had faced and the self-harm he had inflicted upon himself due to the rejection he endured from his parents, his church, and his community. It broke my heart to think that any child was made to feel that way. This person left their house when they were 12 years old and lived on their own. Without thinking, I reached out to this person and I said, I'm really sorry about how you've been treated. And anytime you need a mom to hug you, you call me and I'll hug you. That next Sunday, he hugged me and he held me tight. Months later, he requested to be rebaptized because his first baptism was done with his dead name. Does everybody in this room know what a dead name is? On the Sunday that we were baptizing him, I, he asked me to get in the water with him him and Marcia. As we stood in that warm water, the spirit moved. Spirit moved. Marcia took him down and brought him up and said, welcome Caleb, child of God. And Daniel took off singing child of God and I don't think there was a dry eye in here. And I stood in that pool and I thought, oh, 
church cannot get much better than this. But then, just as I was trying to get out of the pool, I almost fell, and one of y'all took a picture and posted it. <laughs> but I wanted to share this story to affirm that some beautiful things have happened in this church built by love, but we still got work to do. We got to wake up. We cannot afford to sleep. We must wake up to the reality of how life for our trans and non-binary community is at risk. We must wake up to the ways we need to grow to be more inclusive in our acceptance of any other human being. It is an issue of justice. It's an issue of acceptance. It's an issue of inclusivity. But most of all, it's a love issue. Church, I'm challenging myself. And I'm challenging each one of you to think about gender, to work towards seeing a person and getting to know them and letting them tell us who they are. May we all wake up. May we all wake up so that anyone who comes through our doors really gets what it means to be seen, to be loved, to be cherished for the child of God that they are. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.